Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurred. That's a um, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout all for our own personal and collective empowerment. All right, well, it is a brand new episode of Minority Corner, and you know her, you love her. Mackenzie Green is back. So excited, Vice President of Social Media for Who, What, Where, Click Brands. She's also previously the Social Media Director at BET Plus, and just so much great things. We, You, you know her, you love her, and she's here. And we talk about the docuseries This Is Pop on Netflix, which Give us some revelations about boys to men, where all pop music comes from, and what actually country music is. And also, justice for T-Pain. Jeopardy has a new host, and it's not LeVar Burton. What? Is this the Hollywood nepotism that Franklin Leonard was debating Ben Stiller about on Twitter? And just sidebar, Ben Stiller was on the wrong side of that debate. Is Sinbad the latest to feature in the Mandela Effect? Or are white people just confusing two different black people? Haiti has been on the receiving end of disaster after disaster, and even just recently on top of the other disasters that it's already been experiencing. So we talk about not only what the current state of Haiti is, what's going on there, but the history that has led to um, what is going on in Haiti its resilience in the face of U.S. and European fuckery and the real and actual ways you can help out. And at the end, Mackenzie asks, why is it so hard to find frivolous black fiction and has some recommendations for you? So much going on on this all new wonderful episode of Minority Corner. It is time to learn, laugh and play. Let's go. Ah, so white people be crazy. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that just the opening to all of like the last two years? It's just like, ooh, they be oh wilding. They just be wilding out sometimes to the point where just like, I just, I don't even know. Every feel like you have to have like the right friends to be able to call when the incidents they be wilding out. Oh, yeah. What I've learned is that I should call you because I had a situation where I was like, oh my gosh, I've. I have curated my life where I don't have to deal with like straight white male aggressive energy. Yeah. And I had a situation collaborating on something the other day and I, I was like in shock. I was like shocked, shook, triggered. I had to go, I went for a walk. I meditated. <laughs> I did cardio kickboxing. I like listened to sad mute. It just was a lot. I was not emotionally prepared already. I'm always ready because I grew up swimming. I grew up in a country club. I grew up. Oh, right, I grew yeah. up going mm-hmm. to a very fancy all girls private school where our brother's school was always around. Like I feel like my first language is white man, and then mm. like I got. <laughs> fluent in the other languages like i had to start there and then i i'm always <laughs> jealous when people are like oh i've never dealt with like white people like this i'm like this has been my entire life like i speak that <laughs> language first 
Like I know what to do on Sweet Caroline over when I got to college. The first time I was at like a black frat party and the DJ, you know, like notoriously the DJ will get to like mo money, mo problems. You get to the biggie verse and they just turn the music off so everybody can rap. And I was like, oh, oh, did we when did we all learn this? When? Oh, no. Oh, no. Watermelon, watermelon. Yeah. Like I'm just like sitting there like I know all the words to Baby Got Back. That's huge in the country club circuit. I'm like uh, B-52's Love Shack. Well, I mean, that's my go to for uh, karaoke. That is my favorite Well, I song. used to I used to work on. Oh, and it's it's the perfect duet song. Notes aren't too high or anything. No. And like, as I learned Sweet Caroline, I used to work on a cruise ship and we like all got oh, yeah. the whole audience before the show and they loved it. We did different sections where had different parts and they all <laughs> knew it was like, I felt like it was like sister act for like older white people. Um, but karaoke, what I have learned people, here's some, here's my biggest advice for karaoke songs for anybody who's like, I don't know what's a song to sing. Cause a friend of mine was like, I don't know. Should I do this list of JLo songs? No, no. If anybody's doing, if you had my love, I will murder everybody. Yeah. Like that. No one, you've got to do the bops. You've got to do the ones yes. that like everybody knows the words. The best thing to do, go for rap. You don't have to like hit the high notes or anything. Like soup is a crowd pleaser. It Cause then everybody, everybody else starts, it makes everybody happy. It gets the nostalgia thing. Everybody else knows the words. It feels like you're in a musical because, like, everyone knows the words. You can go pass the mic to somebody, and it's like everybody's in it. Go for just, like, the bops that people want to hear. It is not your time to practice for American Idol. No one wants to see My it. My no go-to is Sin Wagon by The Chicks, formerly known as The Dixie oh. Chicks. It is got like a yodeling section in it. It's got all the things in it that nobody expects from a black girl who's like, <clears throat> all right, um, I'm going to be singing Sin Wagon. And then like next thing you know, you're like yodeling and people are like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> and people get into it. Oh yeah. Okay. Spe- speaking of music, we, so we have to talk about, I've been trying to talk about this for weeks. <laughs> this is pop on netflix like what what do i write my only thing is i hope that they do another season because like they didn't there was like just to talk about the bad first i felt like they didn't talk about any of like they maybe they couldn't talk about this because they'd have to talk about something else they didn't talk about like madonna janet or whitney they but is that because you then also have to talk about michael and we're just like well we're not opening up that I feel like they went into it doing one of those, like, you know, those little docu-series where they're like, oh, it's a little yes. throwaway thing. People won't care. Like the one about the clothes where they were like, oh, you guys might like it. And then people went nuts for it and were like crying over like a yes. mesh t-shirt. Right. And they were like, it's the most beautiful show that's ever been created. I love season two. Yeah. I think they just yeah. put it out and then it was kind of like, well, maybe people will get into it. Maybe they won't. Cause there's so yeah. much to pop music and so much so to like, much, just, yeah. I mean, I told you before we started, I'm a massive boys to men fan. Like, and that's the first episode is like boys to men. That's how they hook you. Like, that's how they. So I, my eighth birthday party. Yeah, my was it eighth or tenth? It might have been tenth. I don't know. I just know it was a big deal. And yeah, my dad is good friends with a music exec. Um, who is it? 
I'm like, I just said music exec. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm a thousand percent sure it's like Clive Davis or something. But like, <laughs> I was just somebody. Yeah. Like, like, like Jones. You're like, oh, yeah. Like guy. He's in the, he works in music. I'm like, like he, my dad's going to hear this and be like, Mackenzie, like you're so disrespectful. <laughs> like, but we got he works in music. I don't know. <laughs> I then That's what I have my Paris Hilton moments where I'm like, you sound so flippant and unappreciative as you're like, I'm like, listen, Kathy Hilton, like, remember where you are. <laughs> <laughs> like, looking forward to your cooking show on Netflix yeah. coming out soon, Where, who's hunky dory um but <laughs> I'd like so we go so my friends are I'm telling them like we're gonna have a sleepover and then we're going to a concert and Ooh. I was 10 and so this is how much of a time capsule it was we are in the basement before the concert watching in sync on the oh. Disney Channel because that was the oh. infamous performance where the Backstreet Boys mm-hmm. dropped out at the last second because they yes. didn't want to be associated with Disney and Orlando and in sync. So it was like a new boy band that nobody had really heard of. And we're all yes. in this basement, like dividing who gets who. And I don't like sharing a man. So I was like, I get Lance Bass. Cause everybody was like, Justin, <laughs> JC. And I was like, damn it. I was too late. And so I was like, um, 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 Lance. <laughs> I have the same. I always ended up, I ended up with Lance and Howie, but I think I was just was like going towards what I probably secretly thought were the gay ones. Yeah. See, in my mind, it was Lance and Kevin. I was like, I love that tall, angry. Oh, no, it was it was AJ because I was like, Kevin. And then my friend was like, I like Kevin. And I was like, AJ McClain. And I was like, I picked the gay man and the drug addict. Like, what? A treat. Look at that light. Yeah, I was like, look at look at what I wanted. Um, But we were we go to the concert and my dad's like, you got backstage passes. So it was like Meriwether Post Pavilion for any other DC people. And it was this meet and greet. Now, watching this is pop. I realized in my mind, I thought they were like 25, like mid 20s for boys to men. For yeah. boys to men. And I realize now watching this as pop, like they were like high schoolers. Like this was they the first kids, albums. Children. I'm like, I was closer in age to them than my cousin was who was over there being like, hey, Juan. she was supposed to be our babysitter. And she was like in college. And she was like, hey, Juan. Yeah. And I'm like, what was he like? 17? And you were like 22? Yeah. Mm, yes. <laughs> it's so white. You know, I watching that documentary and it's interesting you brought up the in, like it didn't I remember for the, so much of like my I grew up watching listening to Boys to Men everybody did right like we all loved Boys to Men and what the documentary made me realize is like because I remember thinking I was like oh I wonder whatever happened to them oh look it's in sync and yep. what the documentary made you realize is that like Boys to Men started it all yeah Lou Pearlman copy and pasted yep. everything that they did. He also was the manager of both NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. He created a false rivalry. That whole thing two. is fascinating. Copied and pasted and ended up in jail. Um, but like he like it and just stole this formula. And what the documentary makes it and it's like, oh my god, I was complicit. And once yes. again, because I it made you realize how complicit we all were. You know in what? Like, it's the funny boys to men's career going away is we all laughed when Kenya Barris did Black AF in every episode. So it was like called because of slavery. But there was this moment yes. in the Boys to Men doc when Biven said, because I love like New Edition. I love, yes. you know, Bill Bib DeVoe. And, then, and, and same thing with New Edition. Yes. It's on the block. So like, there's a moment happening. when Biven said, like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, you thought America was going to be fine with white girls putting up posters yes. of four black men yep. in their bedroom? And it was like, no, yep. they showed up with five yep. nice, clean cut white boys. And that's what it's just. God. Or there's that moment when the music reporter says, like, how... Because I don't know why I thought Motown Philly was, like, 
not their debut single but when that reporter pointed out (laughs) when he pointed out how like how much of a flex that is to make a song about when you used to not be famous as your first like your first song is about like man we're so famous and well known Uh, oh my god remember when we used to sing in school and it's like guys this is that we could that was that was last week that was literally you wrote a song about how you were international stars and you were nobodies (laughs) like what a fucking flex what I do appreciate is that they had like you know Nick Lachey was there to represent all the white boy bands. I he, appreciate like, it. Was, he I came through. That, he did. He did. He was like, I'll be honest. Like we all like because every interview <laughs> you ever heard from the boy bands, they always all of them were like, oh, we love and respect boys to men. We used to listen to boys to men. Da da da. And Nick Lachey was like, yeah. And then we stole their shit. Yes. And, we and I had that, they did. that was I, I had that. newfound respect for Nick Lachey because I think there's this yes. fear. Especially now in this world of a of a post-racial awakening for the country. There's this fear that people have of being like, yeah, I absolutely jacked all of that. Like, I absolutely yep. watched it and I knew you'd like it more palatable for me than you would from them. And I think right. there's something but- almost that it makes it easier for me to be like, all right, Nick Lachey, I fuck with you now. Like for him to just be like, absolutely. I did that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I same same thing. Like I had a pause when, you know, there was the moment I was like, Ooh, Nick Lachey, I don't know about that. Way back when there was on the today show, Hoda had, had Jessica Simpson on like the day before and Jessica Simpson, (laughs) Jessica Simpson was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I was going through all like my, like really big issues and and things like that. And it was really sweet. Cause like Nick and his like fiance, they like sent me a gift or something. Then the next day, Nick Lachey is like, (laughs) who is it? The Dorito girl. Yeah. He was like, I have no (laughs) clue what you're talking about. Okay, it's so bad, even worse, because, like, they, like, and then they're, like, she's, like, oh, you sent her a gift. Hoda's, like, oh, yeah, you you, you two sent her a gift. And, like, no. And then Hoda's, like, oh, okay, she changes the subject. And then his, I forget, what is the name of his wife? Oh, uh, God. Uh, yeah, because she was Miss Teen USA. So she, like, became, like, yes, an obsession with super- all the pageant girls. 100%. I And so but she was like, Hoda was like, oh, okay, change the subject. And then she's like, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. She said that we sent her a gift. Like, could it just let it go no. and brought it back? And then Nick was like, yeah, I don't know what she's talking about. And then it's like, it was so. I'm just awkward. like, let the person but, make you into a saint. Like, that would be my thing. If, like, nope, somebody was like, to, not having it. They yeah, like, if somebody crazy. wants to canonize me, okay. I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, just the little things. I just tried to do what I could do. <laughs> okay, I have two other th- main takeaways from This Is Pop. I feel like I will say the first four episodes are really great, and then it kind of... Yeah, then like, it oh, putters, okay. and you're know. like... I, uh, okay, I don't know about this. The Brit Pop was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know there was this huge thing between, like, Oasis and, like, Blur. Okay, yeah, I also cool. love, like, everything came out of Wonder Sweden. Wall. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes! Okay, so, but that's, like, the two, <laughs> so the two points that I realized is, like, oh, all pop music. So, all, po- like, so, mo- like... So boy bands all it's all either Motown or Sweden. <laughs> it's yes, that's it. So music all comes <laughs> from Motown or Sweden. Like all of the, I already knew that Max Martin was pretty much behind every pop song of like the last like two three decades. <laughs> but then just to hear like the factory that they were really producing shit out of, it was like. Oh, also they left Robin out of that yeah. documentary. She was on a, a poster, so I don't know how mm-hmm. like she's not there. And then I thought. They did a really good job of like calling to effect of like country music because they're like, oh, yeah. little's not I, X can't be country uh, music. That was my other favorite episode because I, yeah. again, all roads lead back to boys to men. When they had that show, the sing off, and Sean yes. 
um, was a judge and there was like a group singing country. He was like, at the end of the day, country is just a uh, white man's R and B. And everybody was kind yes. and like Ben folds was like, that's the greatest thing ever. I wanted on a t-shirt. And I, yeah. I've always loved country music. Like my grandparents are from Kentucky. My dad's from Arkansas. Like, we love country. I love it. It's gotten co-opted by a very interesting group of people who seem to have forgotten yes. that Johnny Cash and all these people fought for equality and refused to play shows at segregated venues. But that's beside the point. But <laughs> I also was in that camp that when Old Town Road happened and even before right. that, um, when Beyonce went to the CMAs and people were like, right. yeah, and people were chicks. furious with her for singing with the chicks. And they were like, that wasn't country. And I was like, it is country. Like is, yeah. country's not always like boot the, scoot and boogie to you. Like, <laughs> and is it, and like, it, it seems like the cutoff is like, as soon as a black person's involved, yes. it's then suddenly it, not yes. country. And that was what was funny about that part of the doc where it's like people that folks hold up like, Oh, you know, Waylon Jennings. And it's like, yeah, outlaw country got named outlaw country. Cause country folks didn't want him included. Then it's like, well, Shania yeah. Twain. And it's like, nobody thought she was country. Like right. yes, nobody. Absolutely. And so then all of a sudden it's like a black gay man is like, well, I'm going to take like I, that song. I'm not kidding. Wherever I am, if I hear it, I'm like, this is the turn up. I don't know. It's it's like my country soul hears it and it's like, ooh, mm. I got the horses uh. in the back. Like to this day, <laughs> I still say one of the best BET Awards performances I've ever seen is Old Town Road because like <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus got what Miley was fighting so hard for. In just <laughs> one song and didn't have to change anything. It was just like, got the horses nope, on the yep. fire. And it's great <laughs> watching all of these country stars, like, even acknowledge, like, yeah, I said it wasn't country. And then I listened to it and I thought, well, damn, this is, this is good. And I'm like, yeah, give this man his dues, put him on the charts, uh, get him on the charts. And the, the, la the last one that I just, and then we'll, we'll switch gears here. I definitely felt so bad for T Pain in that that episode. Oh my for god! T -Pain. T oh, justice you know for really T Pain. He, he went through a four-year depression yes. after Usher on an airplane was like, "You ruin music," because T Pain like pretty much was showed behind the curtains. Everyone's been using this thing called Auto Tune for decades, and he was like, "Oh, let me just like amplify this so you really notice it." And everyone was like, "How? Oh, I can't. I... Our secrets are out." And then listen to many of Usher's tracks at the time, collaborating with T Pain, using that like Auto Tune, and then he's like, "You ruined music on a jet on the way to the BET Awards." Nothing hurt my heart more than that because I was in college in '06 to 2010 so in florida so that was oh, like oh that was like the height of like nappy boy like it was like nothing mm. but plies t-pain like i remember shorty being like the most romantic song like i remember girls being like <laughs> oh my god if they play uh plies shorty i hope he asked me to dance and i'm like this is this is our bar this is how <laughs> this is this is this is where we are right now. Like, I love T-Pain. So for some reason, like, hearing yes. him be like, oh, I didn't know people appreciate. I'm like, we need to start giving these people their flowers more often. 100%. Yeah. I'm glad that he got to speak because I didn't know. Like, just hearing, like, and people need to just be nicer to people. Like, people were just going off on T-Pain. And then everybody using the auto-tune. And then, like, but I just hear, like, all music differently. I'm like, oh, did she really hit that note? Or were they just like, let me just help her out a bit. And let me just... Auto tune that a little bit. 
it's to this day when they were showing the share thing i was like i remember believe coming out and being like this is the strangest sounding song i've ever heard in my life and just not liking it every time it would come on trl i'd be like no yeah it'd be like and i was like oh no 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 (laughs) and then t-pain happened when i was in college and i was like and and again i thought that was a florida thing like i was like oh that's Mm. like just like dc has go-go i think that's why it didn't bother me because i'm like the bay area had that voice modulator thing and then like the constant you know right yeah and then it's just it's i was like oh it's a regional thing that you do like that's what florida does and people were like he's ruining singing and i'm like child just be quiet well, speaking of somebody ruining something, oh, so God. I feel like Jeopardy might be ruined. So <laughs> where did this guy come from? So we have a new Jeopardy host and sit down because it's, it's not LeVar Burton, which it's yeah. it's Mike Richards, which I know you're thinking, who, who the fuck is Mike <laughs> Richards? And you'd be correct. You'd be correct. You might remember him as one of the executive producers <laughs> behind the scenes of Jeopardy. Um and maybe that's it yeah did you read that great cut article where they were like the jeopardy host search was emblematic of every job search in america uh, where like they bring in really talented diverse cast of overly Uh, qualified applicants only to choose the white man that they've been like bringing up through the ranks internally (laughs) yes and like like yes 100 percent. they were like oh let's pretend like we're we already know they already knew who they were going to probably bring in you know and like they even had like they had Leah Remini. Yes. I would have loved a Leah Remini hosting Jeopardy because she's so feisty. Or like I was stupid. I was very big on like or one of the former champions. I think what hurts yeah, about it being LeVar is like when we think about these like kind of like Mount Rushmore of like men that taught us to be the kind. It's yes. like Bob it's always like yeah. Bob Ross, Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers, Alex Trebek. But my thing is like people always forget to add LeVar Burton. Le- yeah. Because I'm like because that's my thing is like he not only just taught us to read it's like somebody said this thing where they were like losing Alistair Beck is hard because in a world where truth keeps getting manipulated this was a man that felt like he protected the citadel of factual information yeah and I think yeah. my thing was oh then that next person is LeVar Burton like his entire yeah. thing has been you're gonna learn something if you sit down with yeah. me you're gonna learn you're something gonna learn. And so that's yeah. where I was like, oh, it's a no-brainer. Like, Mr. It's, Rogers ain't alive, so pick LeVar Burton. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a generational thing. It's like this art, like, we're, like, who's watching Jeopardy now? Like, we're coming in. It would keep yeah. us watching Jeopardy for, like, even for even longer. Plus, this Michael Richards dude has, like, allega- discrimination allegations against him. <laughs> of course he it's does. Just, why, <laughs> why did you, why did you choose this? And someone was saying, oh, you know, this is, like, uh, you know, Hollywood nepotism at work again. It reminded me of there was this tweet off or like this flame. I don't know. What do the kids call it? What, are, what do you call it when someone's arguing on Twitter? Is this like a, is this an like argument? So, I think it's just an argument. I don't know. I'm oh, old. okay. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if there was a, there's always a term for something. There might be, so. but I'm an old, so I don't know. <laughs> They'll let us know. So Ben Stiller and uh, Franklin Leonard had this debate about Hollywood nepotism because there's this movie that came out and Franklin Leonard tweeted, so there's a movie coming out, and uh, it's got Hop- Hopper Penn, so Sean Penn's son. Brian Darcy James uh, has also been cast um, in it uh, from director Destry Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's daughter, <laughs> and writer 
Owen King, Stephen King's son. And so he just tweeted. It's all these like white kids. <laughs> and he just tweeted out Hollywood nepotism. Am I right? And then Ben Stiller's like tweets back too easy. You know, people work in creating. Everyone has their own path. Wish oh, them the ben. best. Ben. Which Jerry's son. Parents, sir. Yeah. And then his his mom was, uh, what's her, Ann Miller? Yeah. Is that, did I make that up? No, yes. But, okay. But yeah. Like, this is this is why I like Billy Lord. Because at least she'll be like, yes, I am mm. Debbie Reynolds' granddaughter. And I, <laughs> like, and my mother I was Princess Leia. Like, she's very clear of, yes. like, do, yeah. where, how do you These think I doors, got here? <laughs> These doors opened up because I was actually already inside the room. I was born that, inside the room. That like, the statement is open. why I adore, like, Kavia James and mm-hmm. Kavia James Wade and Zaya mm-hmm. um, LeBron's daughter and Alexis yep. Ohanian and all of these like little like even Steph Curry's kids when people are like they sure are bad I'm like no they're precocious because when children that don't look like them do that everybody's like oh she's such a little <laughs> scamp she's so precocious you're gonna grow up to be a star just like your mother Goldie Kate you're so wonderful and I'm like <laughs> That's why when Blue Ivy's over there singing Lift Every Voice and saying however the hell she wants on her mother's album however and getting a Grammy, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Please do. Oh, love it. Blue Ivy. I uh, we talked about this last week. But my favorite is in the Beyonce article from last week. She was like, I walked in and saw my daughter just uh, in the like, bathtub relaxing. Was, uh, <laughs> I was like, Blue has a hard Blue has a hard life. She's like she, uh, with with the honey, with the bee, with the bee wax that she had made with cucumbers on her eyes and a bathtub just decompressing. I'm like, of course. Yeah. Of course she is. Blue Ivy is well, what I imagined she was. In that quote, I was like, oh, everything mm, I thought oh. this little girl was. Oh, good. She is. Oh, great. I'm like, and then I have moments where I'm like, I hope she is that diva. I hope yeah. she is that, yeah. like, Hollywood nepotism. Like, when I think about, like, yeah, like a Kate Hudson or, yeah. like, um, Beanie Felstad. Like, these people who have this very... <laughs> like not like Ben Platt these people who yes. don't seem to yeah. fully comprehend that like yes Ben you dropped out of college to live in New York <laughs> in a nice apartment to which you had the money means and access to audition for the Book of Mormon so I too hope Blue Ivy says something wildly unrelatable like you know I I chose after high school to you know follow uh be an intern and everybody's like yeah for for the ceo of adidas where your mother has a clothing line like yeah i had a startup you know i I started with barely anything i just had a loan from my parents for half a million dollars but you know and you know my aunt was like to make my first film yeah you know and my aunt you know she was so kind to donate some of the clothes and makeup it's like you mean you mean rihanna fenty robin robin she did. Yeah, my aunt Robin and my aunt Kelly was so kind to just do a song uh, for the soundtrack. You know, the lady who has the Grammys. Okay. Yeah, okay. that wasn't a free song, but okay. But but that goes back to so in this article they were talking about like how so Ben Stiller is trying to be like oh Hollywood's a meritocracy like if you don't really have talent and I feel like there are maybe some like very yes. I'm sure there are some people who they're not talented their parents were and they just got pushed out. Absolutely. But you've already starting on. I don't know, the 50-yard line yeah. or you're in the touchdown. You are starting – some of us are not even in the stadium, right, and have to, like, claw our way to get in there. And then Franklin Leonard brought up this really great point, and he said, 
you know, statistically speaking, roughly a third of the industry has their job not because of merit, but because of factors of who they know, colonial le legacy, sexism, or whatever. And then goes on to bring this point that um, the, it, it's not just access, it's also undervaluation, it's active discrimination, and that the Hollywood film suite is the least diverse sector in American business, less diverse than Trump's cabinet. And it just was such a, just, I already knew that, but it's like, just hearing that and seeing that, it's, 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 it's it, it makes sense for like the music industry as well, right? Yeah. Like you have all these very untalented, old, rich white men at the top who are just making all these decisions. It's a miracle that any of us get to do anything. I think and then that's you get what has always amused me in my career and wanting to be in this space of entertainment is that you get a lot of people. Like I used to, I, I know people think it's a compliment. They're like, oh, you're so funny. You should, you should have been a comedian. You should have been this. And I think it wasn't until I got to my undergrad and I the first time I was trying to be on on air talent and it was the producer student producer I had to report to and the station the student station manager and I realized like oh they make the decision of who goes on air and who doesn't they mm -hmm. decide the scripts they decide whether mm -hmm. or not we spend all week talking about what Miami football player got arrested versus like who's doing a backpack drive and that was when like the flip <laughs> switched for me and I very much became like I want to I want to be Michael Eisner. Like at the time yeah. it was Michael Eisner. Then it was Bob Iger. Yeah. But I was like, I want to be that person. And I was like, because right. we, you know, then this is when I put like my hotep, my her tap hat on. And I'm like, <laughs> her tap. For it. <laughs> and, like, and that's when I turned into like, we need to own this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and that's why when people get very like, aren't you, you know, Oh, you should start your own business. I'm like, I don't want to start. I want to homeland this shit. I want to get yes. in and then mm -hmm. be at the top and then start and where people yes. are like wow this is wild have you noticed that we uh, no longer make weird uh problematic cartoons here at disney anymore huh when that start uh, and it's like well because there's a black lady well, when here mackenzie green was like heading it up and can you please that way i'm not sitting in a meeting being that's where my whole entire thing is because there's a power dynamic and that's why going back to earlier I was so shut down when this aggression was happening because there was a power dynamic and got threatened of like this doesn't this this project might not happen of like because I'm not bowing down to the situation of of uh, uh, you know so I can't wait for that day and to your point that's why like you know there's a point like recently I think the head of HBO I don't know if it's still a black woman or the person who's like green lighting helping to green light projects yeah, the project. there's a black woman very high up because I said to my friend who um or she's been on the show Ashley Cole Black and I was saying I was like man there's so many like every time I, there's always like black folks on HBO and she's like that's because there's a black woman like, exactly projects over there exactly like that's why you end up with HBO Max having a show about streetwear that's not like yes. That's not so inside baseball that you're like, oh, shit, they're going to steal everything out of the show. But like yeah. a very specific homage to streetwear or you get things like a black lady sketch show or you get things mm -hmm. like Watchmen having black people in uh, it, you know, or like Lovecraft Country, Lovecraft Country, sort of, like yes. even just something as simple as like Euphoria. Yeah, Euphoria I or even the you. fact that like the characters are fairly repugnant on White Lotus like to a point that you're yeah. not like oh how glamorous oh. that you're like Ooh. or like Gossip Girl like we said having so many black people that mm -hmm. were like oh what this is okay oh man and at the bottom of the ninth and then you drop the White Lotus and we've got to go to our next segment I'm telling you, we're going to the next one <laughs> 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 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll put a TV continue on White Lotus. It's better this way so people can catch up and watch it. Yeah. We won't spoil anything quite yet. I but, have uh, to watch it. All right. I, I oh, you haven't seen no. it? No. I know of it okay. because we had Sydney Sweeney as our cover star in August for um, the Who What Wear magazine. And I truly knew okay. nothing about her. And I was like, oh, you're a delight. Mm-hmm. And then after she left, I Googled her. And I was like, shit, she's in Euphoria. She's on the show that everybody loves. I was like, she's turning this book yeah. that I like into a move, like into a TV show with Halsey. And I was like, what? Turning it up. Yeah. Oh, last thing I just want to mention. Where do you fall on this latest Mandela effect? Was Sinbad ever in a movie called Shazam? He was not in a movie called Shazam, but he did a movie <laughs> about genies. And then Shaq did a movie about genies. Called Kazam. Called Kazam. <laughs> I don't understand. And I think I'm having yeah. a, like a stroke every time one of these Mandela effects comes up. I know. Well, I think that people also just are confusing black pe- black people. I think they are men. too. Just tall, two tall, bald huge. black men. They're like, I've seen this before. Oh, and they're just really making it up to the point where like Sinbad's parents are having to be, uh, not parents, but kids are just like, no, that, that wasn't my dad. Yeah. Like, it's just like, leave Sinbad alone. He doesn't need this. I just let him do his thing. Like, leave him alone. Give him a job, actually. Don't just leave him alone. <laughs> Give him a job and then don't bring this up. It doesn't matter who you are, what you have, life can be stressful. I have to say, like, y'all know I'm a huge fan of therapy. There are some weeks where I don't necessarily have deep traumas I want to go through or rework, but sometimes I just need that place to sort of vent or get that, you know, second opinion with a non-judgmental. I don't know where I would be without my therapist. And as I've said before, get into therapy now. Most people wait for it's too late. I can't recommend therapy enough and BetterHelp is here to help you out. You may not be feeling down or out or depressed or like you're at a total loss, but you know, if your stress is high, you probably could use just this place to unload. I know that has been my saving grace for even times when it's like, I don't feel like I have a lot going on. It is just nice to just sort of release some of the pressure that's going on and to get some tools and life strategies, how to deal with stressful situations or things where maybe I'm having judgmental thoughts about myself or shame about myself where I'm really, really being way too hard on myself. And so I've loved therapy. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. So see if it's for you. Check it out. So this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Minority Corner listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash minority. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash minority. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, He's coming back. Or do you mean the fact that (laughs) Apple Podcasts is named Fanti? One of the best shows of 2020. I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, (laughs) (laughs) Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things we're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fantai. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. 
Haiti. So we're going to dive into Haiti. It's There's a lot going on there. So we're going to talk about the recent tragedies, very plural, and the history of Haiti, how it got to where it is. You, again, all roads lead to slavery. Um, and then what you can do to actually really, really help. And because and, there's ways that people think they're helping and they're not. So we're going to talk about all of that. So Hurricane Grace recently just wreaked havoc on Haiti. And it, it probably there's so much. And then, oh, they also then just had a 7.2 magnitude earthquake this past weekend. So already had like Hurricane Grace doing her thing, doing the most. Uh, so far, 1,400 people dead and counting. And this earthquake was even bigger than the one that hit in 2010, which killed over 300,000 people, injured 200,000 people, left 1.5 million homeless. It was like the worst disaster in Haiti's recorded history, right? On top of that, recently before this, they had the assassination of their president, yeah. Jovenel Moise, just weeks ago. And then also... The pandemia Anderson is just still raging. So that's like to catch you up, like, because I know there's a lot going yes. on in the world. And if you didn't, that's what's been going on in Haiti recently. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's a lot. That that's is a lot. lot. And so there's a lot going on there. And so, you know, so many articles that I read, they always talk about, oh, you know, Haiti's resiliency. And, and it absolutely is. But I feel like, I don't know, we need to do a little bit more than just talk about how resilient they are. Uh, they have... Just right now, they have a lack of resources, food, hospitals are overwhelmed. There's a lot, lack of doctors. And it's currently one of the, it's the poorest country in the Caribbean region. It is actually one of the poorest in the entire world. And so with that, it makes it really, it's made it really hard for them to build proper infrastructure. Um, you know, they, they also are expecting in this go around a lack of donations because there's all this ascension going on. Afghanistan, the pandemic Lovato is going on. And the last time, the in 2010, there was an earthquake, yes. right? Do you remember the debacle that happened around oh, the yeah. relief funding oh, around then? Oh, yeah. So people are a little, like, you know, skeptical to donate because the, you know, caveat, don't donate to the Red Cross for many a reason. Um, Which is crazy. One, they also don't let... I can't donate blood through like, the Red Cross. Uh, that just, yeah, blood. that continues to boggle the mind. Cool. It just is like, yeah. wow. Yeah, because I think if I were dying, my first question would be like, right as I'm about to code, be like, Hold on. is this a gay man's blood? <laughs> Did they have sex with yeah. from I'd be like, bitches, I'd be like, oh, wait, is he gay from West Hollywood? Yep, yep, give me that. That's some good blood. Quick, 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 quick. It's super healthy and probably organic and only from Erwan. Like, get out of here. Well, yeah, and too, they also they test the blood. Also, it's like they act like they just hand like a bag of your blood to them and they're like, here you go. It's like quickly with this just hot out the presses, uh, hot out their veins. Like, as if like straight people also couldn't get, you know, HIV or something like that. So, you know, oh my gosh, never. So, <laughs> so A Tahiti, so back in, if you don't remember what happened with the Red Cross, um, the, in 2015, ProPublica and NPR did an investigation where they questioned where $500 million raised by the American Red Cross was spent. They found that the Red Cross raised um, about half a billion dollars and built just six houses. Just six houses were built. 
like all of that. Like people were all this money, all this resource. Wyclef was out there. All yeah, this, Sean this Penn's out there, on. like trying to air, hold babies up to planes to get them out of there. <laughs> Where did the money go? And then of course Red Cross is like, we don't know what. No, no, we never we, had that much money. That what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's in fact there's is a documentary I haven't seen this. There's a documentary that came out in 2012 called "Where Did the Money Go?" So I'm gonna. I think I know, know what I'm gonna be doing one. today during my <laughs> lunch break. <laughs> gonna find out where that money went. Uh, so many of the recovery efforts. The other problem with a lot of these efforts that happen towards Haiti, they're not led by Haitians. They're actually really they're led by people who or inexperienced maybe they're like a housewife or something from like you know they're very rich their heart might be in the right place but what you really need is people who have on the ground understanding about for one how the country operates where the resources really need to go to um and so that's part of one of the issues as well and so this has left them at the mercy of people and organizations who just don't understand the country's social and political history or context. Uh, also, back in 2010, I just my heart sinks for Haiti. So in 2010, foreign aid workers also caused thousands of unnecessary deaths because in 2010, a cholera epidemic broke out in Haiti for the first time ever, and it was due to neglect in the um, waste management by the UN peacekeepers. 10,000 people died of the cholera epidemic there. It's just the, just the treatment across the diaspora is like oh. mind blowing. Oh, well, let's dive into the history of like how did all of this even happen on in Haiti? And what's interesting is actually some of this we talked about. Uh, it's going to be a refresher for longtime listeners because episode three, Aneke, walked us through the history of Hispaniola. And for those of you who maybe don't remember, Hispaniola is actually what Haiti and the Dominican Republic are both on. They're on the same island. Yeah. And so it's interesting how so much devastation can happen. On one side. Just... <laughs> yes. I don't understand so how land goes... works, but that bo- that confuses me. Yes. Well, I think part of it is, again, like like infrastructure and funding and support. And it's just continuously been wreaked by havoc. So Haiti sits on the western third of the island of Hispaniola. Uh, Dominican Republic is on the other two thirds. Also, just to kind of think about this, and this has been conversations before, like it's very sometimes people in the DR kind of want to act like, you know, they don't they're not black or don't yeah. have black. People, like, never, we don't know them. Know, Meanwhile, I spent my entire life in Harlem. <laughs> being somebody who speaks Spanish with people being like Dominican. Yes. And you're like, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sure. Same things. <laughs> so that's why it's weird. Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, <laughs> when you cast your film in a certain way, but that's, we that's were, neither that's, here nor there. We already come. Not just, a, just reminding. Uh, so it's about the size. Haiti's about the size uh, of Maryland. Um, so way back in the day, Columbus. So you already know this is going nowhere good. Oh, so bitch. he <laughs> he landed on Hispaniola in December 6, 1492, and at that time it was ruled by the Tainos, and the French came in in about the 17th century, and by the time so it was ruled by the Tainos, but by the time the French arrived there in the 17th century, the indigenous folks had been exterminated. So the Tainos wiped off the pretty much the face of, of yeah. the island. In the words of, the of Trevor Noah, so, where are all the black people? We don't know. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So now that all the Tainos have been murdered, they're like, great, we can bring in all of our slaves. So that's how all these, you know, all these, you know, black folks ended up over here on this island, except for maybe some of the ones who already sailed over here. But that's a different, you, you know, know, black people already, we already knew the way. Research we tried to Khalifa. get, we tried to get away from y'all a head start. <laughs> We we're like, oh, yeah, we were like, oh, I feel like the writing <laughs> is on the wall. Let's get out of here. <laughs> think we know how to yeah. sail. Um, so at this time, France was like one of the so this was France's richest colony throughout the 18th century. And then Haitians were like, oh, fuck this mess. Like we were like the black folks of that time. were like, we're not dealing with this. Like, fuck you. We're going to set ourselves free. And so they revolted from 1791 to 1804. This forced Napoleon to sell He That's when the Louisiana Purchase kicked off. So he was like, oh, shit, this was expensive. We can't afford this. Ah, black people, you win this time. <laughs> you outsmarted so us. For, you got us. And so black people won, for, finally. And it forced the U.S. to do the Louisiana Purchase, which, if you think about it, is so wild. The Louisiana Purchase was huge yeah so also sorry indigenous people because this is also it triggered you all being fucked up so i know apologies but it's like it's like the, the domino purchase. effect of just like bullshit yes. yeah on the one end black people got their freedom and then on the other end this land that was nobody's except for the people who actually was already just there coexisting with their land just got fucked over so we like just to remind you because history's been a while uh kiddos out there Louisiana Purchase. So that gave them Louisiana, Arkansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Oklahoma, Kansas, Minnesota, the Dakotas. Why do we got two? Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana. So uh, huge. So the, so the, the black people, they were dope as fuck. And they, um, you know, they, they, this, they, oh, they wanted to, they changed the name. So how it became Haiti is they were like, sweet, we got this land, we have our freedom. We're not using Saint Domingo because that's like that French slave name. So they went back to what the Tainos originally called it, which was Haiti or IAT in their language. That is so cool. Isn't that that is just they're like, we're going back to even then they're like, we're not using the slave yeah. name. We're going back to its roots. And so this was like the first black republic. It was the second independent country in the Western Hemisphere. Second, because the first one would have been the United States when the, you know, they got their freedom from their oppressor. From their oppressor so that they could be the oppressor. But, you know. It was just some rich white people that didn't want to pay taxes. Basically. And that's, they were like, we we know nothing about that now. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Oh, Here's this. So the so the Haitians helped the U.S. fight for its independence. And so there's the Battle of Savannah where 500 Haitians and uh, helped. And there's a monument in Franklin Square. Here's what's so so the Haitians helped them get their independence. Right. And so also, you know, many Haitians end up settling in Louisiana after their revolt. Louisiana purchase happened. They're like, OK, we helped, you know, but for over 200 years, Colonial powers have just driven this formerly wealthy country into debt, 
into poverty, which still exists to where it is today. So after the successful revolt in Haiti, you know, this was a ray of sunshine for black folks. They were like, I can see the light. Oh, we can be free. Look what those black folks did. Okay, okay. And white folks were like, ooh, this is scary. They were this like, they got a little acorn of hope going on. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> well, they squashed that because France and the U.S. did not recognize Haiti's independence until 1862. It's about 80 years from they've been independent. They're like, yep. we don't, you know, which is so wild. So, like, these black folks helped the U.S. fight in their re own revolution. And then when they're like, oh, hey, we free too. These white folks are like, new phone, who it is? I don't, I don't know her. I mean, they I literally, had, I don't know her. I had a grandfather that fought in World War One, and I think I will never not be fascinated by the red summer because it's like similar to that in the sense of like all these black people go help fight in the first world war and when they get home everybody's like oh no they're they're gonna think that they're equal now that they spent all this time equal. in france and they, so we should probably just start killing a few uh, just to calm it down it's like Put or you could have written place. a strongly written letter or you know i don't know just been like hey man you know Please don't get mad at me now that you've been over in France and tasted what freedom feels like. Or, you know, just not kill a bunch of people for no reason. Just an option. It's the same thing, too. It's like, you know, after with the, uh, you know, uh, I guess it was World War II, the GI Bill and, like, you know, how many people got to go to black people didn't, weren't able to participate in, like, you know, all that free college or yeah. getting all these, like, houses and things like that, even though they had fought and died for this country. My great uncle died in World War II, fought for this, you know, country, you know. So about 20% of free blacks, uh, at one point, about 20% of free blacks from the North, they were like, let's go to Haiti before the Civil War. They're like, okay. And this is black folks in the North. Yeah. Even they were like, mm, they're like, I don't Haiti know thing. about that. Many of them moved back, but there's always been this like this 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 flow of black folks, this relationship between the U.S. and Haiti. And then in 1825, Haiti was actually uh, get this. <laughs> this is I feel like this story is just like oh Haiti. I don't know. It's just a lifetime original sad movie. Ah, uh, what happened to Haiti? Um, in 1825, Haiti was actually forced to compensate France 20 billion dollars in today's uh in today's dollars for the so-called loss of slaves and property. I just, so this is why I laugh when people, like, when people in <laughs> other countries, you just went cross-eyed. Truly. Cause when people in other countries will like look down their nose at us in America, I'm like, baby, mm -mm, shit, 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 okay. shit. No, no, don't do that. No, you did. <laughs> don't you don't jump in did. here. I'm like, we may be garbage, but everybody at this table is garbage. Yes, the whole table is garbage. Y'all are all y'all are garbage. Europe, you garbage. Y'all have garbage histories that you done did. So basically, former slaves had to pay the country of their former slave owners reparations. Like that is not we. That's not how reparations is supposed it to really work. It really is. Nah, that is that's not how. It's the opposite. Twenty billion dollars. And then people like, well, why can't Haiti build some buildings that can stand up against a hurricane or earthquake? Okay. I just, All right. I mean, oh, what a treat. One, la one last touch point on. Oh, we're not done with the fucked upness oh, of no. Haiti's history. The United, and this, I'm sure there's more, but this is the last bullet point that we'll talk about. The United States occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1934. 
changed Haiti's constitution and in many ways just further contributed to its ongoing instability. Uh, it was a sovereign nation and black folks in America were like, wait, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you, how are you doing this? And it won't surprise you that there were U.S. business interests involved. It happened after the assassination of their president, um, Vilburn Gualama Sam, um, by insurgents. But like, oh, what is that? Was a long occupation. Yeah, that was that's about an Afghanistan size uh, occupation. Mm -hmm. Everything old is always happening, and there are no new things. Just innovation on past trends. Just a hundred percent. So. All of that tragedy, I hope it makes sense in some ways of like, well, how Haiti is what's happening now. And so how can we how can you help? How what can y'all do? Well, first of all, as we said, don't donate don't get involved with the red cross that's not where we want to go um but so we what they're calling many are calling for the regeneration it should lie in the hands of people not the hands of you know either corrupt politicians or outside forces you want to go directly to organizations who are on the ground within haiti who know what the fuck that they're doing so i'm going to provide some links in the show notes global living is a really great website and resource because um, it'll you can search even for your country the country that you want to donate to and it'll give you a list tons there's so many different organizations in haiti operated by haitians and folks um all these different resources so we'll leave, we'll leave that and then i'm going to link this as well following hurricane matthew in 2016 Haiti Advocacy Working Group put together a list of best practices to consider when making a donation. And so first, they're like support local community uh, collaborations and initiatives, which we've talked about. Donate money. Money is much easier to mobilize quickly. Um, We also want to promote food sovereignty for them to be able to have their own ways of, you know, producing food from within, not having to like export. I... Um, so there's a list of different, you know, ones. Oh, promote consider vulnerable po- populations, women, children, elderly, LGBTQ. When you're deciding which uh, organizations to uh, help out and invest in their long term too, and ultimately just do your research. Make sure it's a legit organization. Uh, you don't want to go to unfamiliar agencies or websites. Do your research uh, because there are some shady ass scammers and folks and uh i'm gonna include in the red cross and this come at me red cross come <laughs> at me uh but there's also um let's see one person started a google doc that has uh different organizations some really great hate organizations one that sticks out that i thought was a really great one the haiti emergency relief fund oh, nice. is a really great one as well but um we'll list all of those do your work, do your research, but uh, let's all let's all pitch in because I think Haiti should just be a constant like, oh, I need to do my donation. Yep. I need to do something towards, yeah, yeah, just constantly because like that history is so fucked up. And I will say, yes, they are resilient, but they don't have to be. That doesn't have to always be their story. I like, thought can we stop making them have to be so. My resilient? pastor once said. Pastor Brenda Thorne, one of the greats, love her. Hillsong is not filled with all awful people. But 
she said one of the best things I ever heard. She was like, we don't need to always take a leap of faith. Sometimes God builds a bridge and you can take that. And so that's what we're saying, guys, is, yeah, they've taken leaps of faith to believe in themselves as a people. But why don't we build them a bridge so they don't have to keep jumping? Uh, Yeah. So, Haiti, uh, we got you. And uh, you're a godfather. The job market is a mess right now, whether you're looking for a new opportunity or you want to make yourself a stronger candidate for promotion. That was a little Britney Spears that hit you with. Hashtag free Britney. How you represent yourself is key to taking the next step. So executive presence is the secret sauce to success. Rotman's unique virtual executive presence program will equip you with tools and tips to engage and influence others. Rotman has designed this comprehensive virtual program to work around your current schedule, which is great. Love me some virtual. With Rotman's executive presence, you can balance working from home and watching the kids with building your emotional intelligence and making connections with peers across different industries. So if this sounds like the thing you wanna do, you need to do, remember it's all virtual, so you can just do it right from home, visit uofte.me slash executive presence. Once again, that is uofte.me slash executive presence to learn more and apply. Classes start September 15th, which is right around the corner. So start your application today to save your seat. That is uofte.me executive presence. Rutman. Here's where it changes. The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? I would rather stick a corkscrew inside my ear, twist it around, and pull out my ear canal like a cork than listen to your stupid podcast ever again. Please stop contacting me. Hell would freeze over before I recommended this podcast the Beef and Dairy Network to anyone. Not in a million years. Actually, scratch that. Um, make it a billion years. No, how long's infinity? That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms. Disgusting. So my corner, this is my third time here, guys. I still have not gotten any better at doing these corners. They're still absolute <laughs> nonsense when I do them. I, and, but there's, they're gold. I'm going to defend you in your corners. I think I'm it's not. a nice respite. We don't need another. I'm sure you could take us through the tragedy of Afghanistan. Not today. After not we just today. went through Haiti. Like, we need a bit of a respite. And there's something else. Let's, well, let's take these also, also these recordings come at a time where I'm like, I'm going to do blank. And then something happens. And I'm like, no, forget it. I'm not doing that. So in Which this snaps case, you snaps you saying every time I'm like, I have something prepared. Can... I'm like, I was reading like, um, like, again, like prepping for the stoicism conversation. I'm like reading Epictetus's discourses. I'm finding like, what's the connective thread between Frederick Douglass and Epictetus. And then Ooh. I finished reading Ace of Spades and I was like, nope, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about why there aren't more books like this. So I read an incredible book called Ace of Spades. I don't want to say the (gasps) author's name because I know I'm going to fuck it up. Yes, it's incredible. And I will say, because I don't want to ruin the plot because I want everybody to read it, but it's like Gossip Girl meets Get Out. And as I was, yes. (laughs) And as I was reading it. Oh, yeah, this name, I'm going to take a run at it. Okay, go for it. Faraday Abike Iamadi. 
see that's why i'm always like i wish i spoke like you're like you know like Tulsa or your or or, you know like some you know Ghanaian (laughs) language or something i'm like i'm useless me it's you know you know what it is it's because i did that black panther red carpet premiere and i had to you know Uh all those names no i don't to this day i still think my favorite this is such a segue my still my favorite moment on ellen ever was when trevor noah was on and ellen's like i hear you speak eight languages and he's like well after actually nine and she's like what languages and i like ellen thought he was gonna be like well french Spanish, Italian, and he's like, well, Tosa, um, Igbo, this, like he kept listing African languages, and then he went yeah. and Spanish, and you could tell even like Ellen was like, oh, I forgot that whole continent's got like eighteen languages in and of yeah. itself. <laughs> like I too was like when he started listing them, I was like, wait, oh. what? And he was like Afrikaans, this, and I was like, oh, also mm-hmm. languages. All languages are not like German and Spanish and Italian. But as I was reading it, I realized there's not a lot of books like this. So I became somebody very much during the protest last year that I fell in love with rom-com books. And I wanted those comfort reads. And then there comes a point where there's only so many she blushed and her teeth turned pink, um, you know, her flaxen hair kind of lines that I could take. And I was introduced to the wonderful world of Jasmine Guillory. And in that started going down a deep dive of like listening to her on the nod and listening to her kind of being interviewed by other black people because mm-hmm. she kind of got into a lot of people's cultural zeitgeist because of the Reese Witherspoon book club. But as I started reading her books, I realized, oh, my God, I've rarely read a rom-com book with a black woman at the center who's not like the daughter of an ex-drug addict or um, who's, you know, it's like I love a former a good, slave. Yeah, it's like I love, you know, the deep literary greats. You know, I love Kiese and I love what Disha Philly has done with the secret lives of church ladies. Also, everybody should read that. Like I love um, Jasmine Ward and all these people, but I also realized there are not a lot of Reese Witherspoon, Jenna book club type topics that have black women at the center. And I discovered her books and just fell head over heels in love with this kind of world where these black women are just as rushed and harried holding a coffee and a donut trying to make it as a corporate lawyer as like any Anne Hathaway character and it was Mm -hmm. fun to get dropped into that world I also love YA I promise I read more things than rom-coms and YA (laughs) hey if this is uh, sometimes you just need you can't all be okay let's you know talk about slavery exactly like I'm like yeah hood feminism is great and yes we've gone through all of Ta-Nehisi Coates or gone through Water Dancer or Red Stamped I'm like but I need something chill I'm um, still making my way through water, uh, water. Uh, is it? Yeah, the water dancer. Yeah, soon to be a movie. I probably will see the movie before I finish. I'm on the audio book. It's. I think I need to read it because I like do it at night and then I fall asleep. It's. Um, Papa <laughs> like, Pope is doing. Papa Pope is doing uh, the audio yeah. of it. Um, it needs. It's great, but it is sort of like a one man show because he's giving like his the performance yes. of a lifetime. I think I just need to actually, and I bet it reads really well. I think I just need to pick up. And I think Sometimes those. I think the highbrow important literature is good and I'm even but like truly reading Apes of Spades I was like wow I don't think I've read like a Gossip Girl style book 
where it's not that the black people are like additional characters they are the character and everybody else exists in the periphery it's kind of like that joke that rebel wilson was trying to make in the movie where she was stuck in a rom-com it's like how there were just people who were there for the point of like moving the story along like it was very interesting to have people drop in that you were like oh that white character literally is just here to give a moment of exposition and then just like disappear from the book for the rest of it the same thing so like jasmine guillory's books like those books there's an for the people that like smutty books there's a very very stupid book series called the denver rebels about a series of white men on a championship hockey team that fall in love with black women that all seem to know each other in this connected mcu but like these books are so hard to find and you feel like you're in some fucking underground book club because you're like on tiktok waiting for somebody to do a piece the same thing with like the brown sisters series but i realize it is so hard to find that kind of frivolous nonsensical girl on a train the hating game like Mm. as i like to call them literary hot cheetos with black women in them where it's like there is no substance i learned nothing i am not better for reading this i don't have an incredible factoid to take with me into the world like i just read it it was a good time I, you know, other people should get into it. And I am just here to advocate for more fun black fiction. Like I want more moments. And there's a great line in seven days in June where she's just like, yeah, we love the slave narratives. We love the deep historical moments. And she's like, but sometimes we just like want a black lady to fall in love with a vampire. Like that's all we <laughs> want. It doesn't yeah, have to I be that know deep. That I, it, does that book exist? I no, like, is I it, wish it did. Oh, okay. I wish it Me- did. Get on it. I would love to hear that story. I will say, you know what it is, too. It, it makes me realize this isn't I would love some fun because I, I saw this book and I was like, oh, that seems fun. And my head was like me read a fun book about black people. Exactly. Like, so much of the reading I do. It's like very it's either self-help or it's like racism. Yeah. Cast. Like it's very like intense reading. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever read a fun, frivolous, like black fiction book. It yeah. also made me think, too. When I just think that stories that have non-white leads or non-straight leads, it's so much more interesting. And sometimes, like you don't even like, like I I saw Beckett on on Netflix with um, I always forget his name, and and maybe this is going into the Hollywood nepotism, but it's okay for him to have it. <laughs> oh uh, oh, Denver John David Washington, Washington. yeah, yes, John David Washington, uh, who apparently had a he had a brief stint. He almost had an NFL. Uh, career he his NFL think, career was like I think we've football. all hyped that up cleanest, like he had the cleanest uniform on yeah. the team we'll just, he like, like played he played at Morehouse <laughs> and everybody's always like he could have gone to the NFL and I'm like no, could could he I think he could went he? off to like Europe to play <laughs> a little bit and but so he's in this movie you know Beckett and he's running around and it's a suspense low what a, it's a brilliant low budget suspense thriller which I. If I watch a movie by myself and it's suspenseful, it will take me double the time to watch it because I will press pause, read an article, walk away. Because I'm like, I gotta calm my heart rate down and really like remind myself it's not a real movie. If I'm with somebody, I won't. But like, because I have them to like, ah, oh, it's scary. Anyways, but like, he's running around in Greece, and I'm just like, oh my god, I guess I'm not going to Greece. Um, in this conspiracy type th- thriller, and what added to it is like thinking, I was like, wow, I bet this was probably originally written for like a white guy. 
Yeah. And by casting him in it, it added a whole entire another layer to the experience of the movie. And it just made it to me so much more interesting than just seeing a white guy running around in in Greece being chased by people. um, It's it's the way I was always obsessed when they rebooted 24 and the executive producer Mm, made the comment about like the original 24 was about a man running through the streets constantly to go solve things. And he goes, but we also had to acknowledge we now have a black man playing the lead in 24. And he was like, and we have to address the fact that like, if a black man just takes off running in a crowd, <laughs> it doesn't, he doesn't just get to his next destination. He's going to get stopped a few times along hey, the hey, way. Whoa, whoa, where are you going? He's or like, I'm like, trying to stop this mob. Exactly. Or I think about all the times I went to see Broadway shows that were initially written with white women as the leads and, the, or a white man as the lead. And then you'd go back and you'd like watch waitress with a black woman in the, and you're like, Oh, Jenna just went from like a sad abused woman who's stuck with a baby to now when she's saying this line about this you know this town and these patrons have taken more than I gave them you're like well yeah because there's probably a few times she walks into different places and you know not only is she getting treated bad by her husband at home but she's getting it from some of the people in the town or Mm. dear Evan Hansen takes on a whole new level of weight when you're watching Jordan Fisher do it because you're like oh not only is he a pathological liar dealing with a lot it's like but bro, you're like the only black person at this school and you lied on a dead kid. Like, what's going to happen? Oh, my God. You know, or when he says, I'm standing on the outside looking in, you're kind of like, he doesn't have to go to the extent of Ben Platt kind of creating a neurodivergent character. You're like, yeah, by the sheer fact that you're this black kid being raised by a single mom whose dad left, you are always looking on the outside, looking in at, at what everybody else is experiencing at this school. So this is like my clarion call for us to enjoy and partake in more of these like frivolous black stories that don't feel as heavy or substantive that don't make you better at the end of it. But like just to take them. And even if you never read it, I think the only way we get more of these things is like, if you buy the Jasmine Gillery, mm-hmm. if you buy Ace of Spades, yeah. if you buy children of blood and bone if you pick up you know these kind of books if you start saying like i want to read something like the selection series with black folks in it you know it's just it's engaging you know reading seven days in june like getting into this stuff y'all because then they'll make more of it and they'll become movies, which That's you know, what and I can't that, wait for. And and then you could produce it all star and everybody wins. I'm telling you, everybody's <laughs> happy. And there are some that are getting turned into movies that I'm like, yes, can't wait. Uh, uh, can't wait. Well, uh, thank you so look you actually you know what you just lavar burton us. you were like y'all need to read basically books. <laughs> me and lavar burton out here just being like read books read more i swear it'll make you feel less stressed out you just stare at uh as some as one of my friends said you stare at dead tree and you hallucinate for two to three hours and it's great <laughs> and don't just take our word Go fucking do it. Just yeah. go, go do it. That's that's the new tagline to our reading rainbow. Yeah, read that shit. That's my tagline. <laughs> okay, well, that is the show. That is the show. What did y'all think? Tweet at us on social media. The question is... 
How do you feel about, if you saw This Is Pop documentary, what were your thoughts or reactions when watching it? Uh, do you feel that Boys to Men was totally ripped off? Uh, or even just listening to the show, what are your thoughts about Boys to Men? Second question is, what are your recommendations for frivolous black fiction? So you can tweet at us at Minority Corner. Or you can also Instagram us at Minority Corner and you can comment on this week's post that we'll be posting. And also a little bit of a fact check or just to kind of make sure everyone is up to speed. We mentioned the Mandela effect. We've talked about it here on the show before, but if you're not familiar with the Mandela effect, which we're referencing, uh, people think that Sinbad was in a movie called Shazam where he played a genie. No, but, uh, but Shaq was in a movie called Kazam where he played a genie. And uh, people are just adamant about this. But the Mandela effect is a belief that specific details from the past are being altered or changed. The phenomenon has its name after a common belief that former South African president Nelson Mandela had actually died in prison in the 1990s, even though he lived well beyond that before passing away in 2013. There's also the Berenstein Bears versus the Berenstein Bears. So people feel like, oh, I remember it this way and reality is being altered or just maybe things just are not the way that you remember them. Catching up on the Mandela effect. My last fact check is my dad got vaccinated, y'all. Woohoo! Yes, yes, yes. So have faith that the folks, maybe he listened to this show. I don't think he did, but I put it out in the universe and my dad to get vaccinated. Some people just need some time. They just need time. It is a very scary space for a lot of folks. So I think, uh, you know, some people just uh, need their time to to come around and see the light. So he's vaccinated. Although he got some sort of like bubble or something developed where he got the shot and he was like, oh, see, it's happening. Oh, I shouldn't have gotten this, but it went away. But uh, he had a mini panic. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. A big thank you to our editor, Sarah Brown. And thank you to our uh, social media coordinator, uh, Lori Fowler. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners here on Minority Corner and our Maximum Fund members as well. Thank you for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority. Love ya. Have a great, wonderful day, evening, weekend, week. See you next week. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.